Hey everybody, this is Mutiny Radio, Women's Magazine and Common Thread Collective will be back with live shows next week. However, we're going to play uh, June 1st episode of Common Thread Collective. You're listening to mutinyradio.fm. If you'd like to support the station, please check us out. We've got shows here every day of the week. If you're interested in having a show here of your own, you can also contact us. So please check out mutinyradio.fm. And coming up is... Uh, Common Thread Collective from June 1st. Stay tuned.
Welcome to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco. We're at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets here in the Mission District. We hope you come down and join us. We're going to have a really interesting afternoon. We usually do. But this afternoon in particular is going to be of interest, of of social import in in a very specific way because um, Tuesday, June 5th, which is just a couple days from now, is going to be the... um, primary election in California for the U.S. House of Representatives, for the uh, governor's seat, for a lieutenant governor. There's many different positions that are on the California ballot um, here on June 5th um, that will help determine who the two final candidates will be in the November general election. So um, we're going to have, we are currently welcoming Dave's out there. Uh, shimmying around, shuffling around the house here at Mutiny Radio and uh, saying hi to our, all of our guests and friends who've come down to be part of that candidate forum. We've got Ryan Kojaste, who's uh, a candidate for District 12. We've got Shahid Buttar and also Barry Hermanson. Um, and Barry is part of the Green Party. So it's going to be an interesting afternoon here at Mutiny Radio on the Common Thread Collective as we uh, jump into uh, the, com- the campaigns of these three gentlemen who are hoping to unseat the incumbent Nancy Pelosi, who has been in the House of Representatives since 1987. So, uh, you know, politics are always a a little bit uh, confounding, maybe a little bit dirty, and uh, certainly often a bit confusing. But you know what? I'm going to play this song that we like to play at the beginning of every show, and it's Ooby Dooby Whitaker, and he's letting us know, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Sometimes I wonder where do the moves come from? Up and down, sometimes it's not so fun. I try my best to tell myself it's all Okay. 
It's all right, folks, because we're here at Mutiny Radio. It's an exciting day. Hey, Diamond Dave. Hey, it is an exciting day. This is our last day until the big day of the elections. Those who have already voted, those who already uh, voted, there are those who got their, uh, between their, 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 their papers to vote in the mail. Please bring it in. To, you can bring it in either to your local polling, polling place and come vote. Cause, uh, because there's a lot happening here, and I just happen to have, and we'll be talking to her, a candidate for mayor on the ballot, something new to me, but something very special. Hey, Michelle Bravo. Hey there, how are you? Well, considering everything, considering it's a beautiful day. Absolutely. Uh, don't panic, it's organic, on the balance, the balance of life, uh, I'm doing fine. Wonderful. And we got John, we play movie and there's John. We did. We've got John Rodano, who I'm glad showed up today as we're as we're still do, taking it down to the wire for the Tuesday election, um, because John always has something important to share with us in his music and his words. So thank you, John, for being here and take it away, my friend. So I'm gonna do a song my wife Vicky Leidner wrote. She wrote this song the day after that uh, election, and it called it post-election acute depression blues after the inauguration she changed it to post-election chronic depression blues and now last week she's telling me she wants to change it to post-election homicidal depression blues and I told her that's good she's starting to think about doing something about it so you know post-election Post-election chronic depression Post-election chronic depression Take the aspirin and kill the pain Four hours later it's back again Post-election chronic depression Friends and family Got same condition and fam got same condition gotta get out of this position gotta be working a midterm election oh yeah that midterm election ain't no pills there ain't no shots so just eat that chocolate Psychosis blowing my brains with high explosives. The lies are true and the truth's all lies. No matter what you're seeing with your own two eyes. Gotta change a house. The people's house. Can't drain a swamp from the new White House. Can't drain a swamp from the new White House. Four years of Trump and four pants. Two of Ryan if we have any sense. Ain't no pills.
thank you very much. And I'll be back later. Yeah, his wife wrote that song. Wow, it's wonderful. Stick around, John. Thanks, I'm talking John. to you, and I have your uh, M- Michelle Bravo. <laughs> and Michelle is on the, on the mayor, running for mayor, who's going to be on the ballot. And that's the ballot, that's the one, two, three. Remember, folks, that not like in the kind of old days, not so old days, you don't vote for one candidate, you have the opportunity to vote for three. One, two, three. Your favorite your second favorite, and your third favorite. Is that right, Michelle? That's right. And so you so you made it, you decided. I am very excited, yeah. It's, I, I can feel it. It's, it's been a wonderful learning experience, and uh, I am the former uh, San Francisco, well, I was a student representative of the San Francisco School Board. That's actually kind of my first uh, thing that I ever did in anything political uh, when I was in, again, when I was in high school. Uh, there's pictures of that on my Twitter feed at 4SFMayor uh, on Twitter. Uh, just really exciting times, and I'm, I'm grateful to be here, but definitely a lot of, of worrisome things brought me oh to goodness. running, you know? And the more you see, uh, when you were a student on the school board, I was uh, I was a senator and a, and a senator on the Associated Student Council City College. Fantastic! So we're doing it. That was when they were trying to take you heard about it, trying to take our accreditation away. That's right. They wanted to take that college over and turn it into what? We have no idea, but they couldn't do it. Because yeah. we fought them. Fantastic. And that's why I say, and you're saying it too, and you said the school board, I can say more. I say, at City, City College. Yep. In the city. I went to City. <laughs> but then we say, let's say it together. At City. At City. In the city. In the city. On the planet. On the planet. And in the street. And in the street. That's where we be with our learning key curve. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. And our learning key, look at those nipples. <laughs> those learning keys that come together, your goddess. These learning, our learning curves that come together. At least at this moment of time, and uh, so you had some uh, political thirst or some politics on the school board as a student representative, in which you saw them, and they, I don't know what attention they paid to you. I know what it, the way grown-ups are. Well, they they, they had uh, they had overcrowding in the schools back in the late '80s, and uh, that was one of the things I got on the news about and spoke out and definitely spoke out on the uh, school board about that because I mean people were sitting in the window sills on the floor there weren't enough desks wow and you were there too and so that would give you a thirst a thirst which you got for a learning curve that led you right here yes, running sir. for mayor is that right that's correct but we all started somewhere I'd say anyway we all started I go, I go back many 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 years but so here you are and you began to well, tell us all this happened. Well, let me give you my, let me read your card. In fact, you can read your card. It's always interesting to do, see what the candidates are doing with the rest of their life. Some of them are like John Avalos is working for the, for, the, for the union. They have various things they do, and you can find out why. But this is Michelle Bravo. Michelle Bravo, are you Latino? Bravo can be a name. What, what's Bravo? So a name you've taken. Not, not a problem at all. So oh, actually, not a problem. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my father uh, actually was from Buenos Aires in Argentina, so I'm a first generation on his side. But on my mother's side, we go back sixth generation Northern Californian. Wow. And so, yeah, uh, basically, I'm a... I'm, I'm, Holistic health practitioner, been in business for 13 years over at the 450 Sutter Building, downtown near Union Square in San Francisco. I'm a uh, definitely a uh, lover of San Francisco, I adore it here, um, and I'm a military veteran, small home, uh, homeowner and business owner here in the city. And again, I, I got worried because I saw so much trash and feces and not the dog kind, but the human kind. And I said, what the heck's going on? Why isn't this being cleaned up? And why isn't anyone paying attention? So, and so I assume that you begin to see while well, you're seeing all this stuff on the ground, laying around and so on. And then this opens up the fact that more and more people are got homeless yep. and trying to keep a tent. Without having their tents be confiscated and thrown in the garbage the garbage truck, while they're while they're trying to find a place to lay their head, not just naked on the street, but if they found a tent, like if a small homeowner, they were small owners to them, and being harassed again and again and again. And why is this happening? Who's behind it? What do they want? What San Francisco to become? Can we connect that to this word that you hear more and more often? I want you to speak to it. 
And that word is gentrification. Gentrification, absolutely. And the SFPD, unfortunately, they, you know, 75% of the SFPD do not reside in San Francisco. So they have no connection to our citizens. And that includes the citizens who happen to be transient at the moment. And, uh, and another word residing in San Francisco, having to cross that bridge every day. Yep. And they are, they are we talk about trying to have the, a police department that reflects in some way the city, the people who live here, the voters, the people would be voting if they thought there was something to vote for. All of the, uh, this community in San Francisco, there's many communities. So we're hoping to have a, that there should be uh, that not so many of these cops who live uh, outside. And 70% you say they're, over, they're almost overwhelmingly white people, aren't they? My understanding is that is correct, yes. So we, we, we definitely need a more diverse force. Diverse? We need, yeah, we need to recruit them from, you know, San Francisco, uh, because San Francisco cops are going to understand San Francisco values. At least that's my hope, and that's uh, my intention. And also, you mentioned coming out of the Marine Corps, and I, I wish we had a live TV here so I can <laughs> show you, but I can see. And so how long have you spent in the Marine Corps? I enlisted for four years. Were you, that's, but that's, that's, were you there for four years? I enlisted for four years, spent some time in Vallejo at Mare Island. That's okay. where I was one of an installation of 600 Marines, uh, Fast Company, at a naval base there. It's no longer a naval base. It's been decommissioned, and there's now, oh, I guess uh, folks who live in uh, the nice Lennar homes. Uh, Lennar is now building on Hunter's Point Shipyard, and they're building over on uh, in the Candlestick, where they took out Candlestick Park, and they're, they're building over on Treasure island soon so with that being said um, my understanding is that there those those properties are are fairly well not candlestick but certainly uh, hunter's point has been found to be toxic at least the soil the soil tested uh, tests and samples from tetratech were found to be uh, just not not good and and uh, so thanks for the green uh, what's it the green green uh, green action green action yep well, I go back many years with. Wonderful. Course, and Green Action, who really discovered this and said, wait a minute. And Treasure Island, they said, wait a minute. This stuff is toxic. It's toxic because um, because what it was used for when they were during World War II, when they were, when they were taking bombing of, of, of every sort, when people were being sent to the Pacific to bomb and to die and be died, kill and be killed, all that was happening. And of course, they left a footprint. Yes, they did. And they did a lot of, um, apparently, some nuclear testing over on the San Francisco Hunters Point shipyard on animals. And a lot of those animal bodies were buried right in the soil there. And so, uh, may, uh, was it Mark Farrell yesterday was uh, quoted in the Sa uh, San Francisco Comical, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, basically, he says that he would, quote, along these lines, recommend that his friends and family or anyone else should live on San Francisco Hunters Point shipyard. So, uh, I, I basically told him, I'm my Twitter feed. Okay, so you were saying one thing before that you were against the Hunters Point shipyard because it's possibly toxic. Now you flip-flopped and said that you would invite your friends and family to live there. Okay, yeah. so you know what I said? Okay, so Mark Farrell's eating dirt in terms right. of his word, okay? Oh so I, I'm saying, you know what? Toxic dirt. <laughs> He's eating dirt. Well, and I said, okay, so you know what? Mark Farrell, since you've got a bunch of kids, I'd like to see your kids play and eat dirt because kids do if they're playing in the dirt don't they um, have your kids it. play and eat dirt out there and let's let's see it dare you yeah, it see how, how safe it is yeah, you, uh, yeah, he's you gonna, let your kids play there he's gonna ignore you he's not gonna do all that these are politicians as you know quite well and as you've really gotten to learn you know before learn while you're running have you did you go to a lot were you a lot of the for they had some forums not as many as the mayor's forums yes but some forums where you met your other candidates yes I did um, the first one that I attended was the Harvey Milk one and in fact, there was a young woman out here um, that I was chatting about and said the same thing. I, I got so overcome with emotion on the taser piece to find that so many in the community were supportive of, you know, no tasers for the SFPD. I, I kind of lost my voice and forgot what I was going to say for the rest of the conversation. A little bit better for the LGBT uh, San Francisco De uh, Democratic Club's uh, mayoral forum. We all showed up and we were all invited and uh, we were all standing or uh, sitting on the stage and uh, lo and behold, we all RSVP'd, except for London Breed. Uh, London Breed uh, came over and just kind of showed up unannounced 
he didn't RSVP. We, no one had any idea and kind of crossed her arms and sat in the press only section and gave us all the eye. And I was like, well, golly, I've never met you, but gee, it's not really a good introduction there. <laughs> and of course, our candidate, by our candidate, she announced her that she was running for mayor. The, back then, like, who am I talking about? Announced she was running for mayor right here. Oh, well, Amy Weiss announced her run, her first run for mayor in 2015. Yep. So uh, Mutiny Radio and specifically the Common Thread Collective right and here. Women's Magazine have been a real like central part of a uh, you know, place where people can come and, and Do what you're doing. kind of branch out and uh, you know explore these different ideas of uh, what what's possible, what's necessary, and what can be done. So um, thanks and for being here, Michelle. And thank you so much. I appreciate your invitation and uh, again, uh, vote for Michelle Bravo for mayor, San Francisco, in this special election, 2018. Thank you again for having me, Diamond. And way, way beyond the, uh, thank you. Way beyond Tuesday. I want to look at you. So you see, you're part. Of, you're welcome to. You're part of it. You said that. I know your learning curve is not going to end uh, on Tuesday. Uh, uh, end on Tuesday, but we'll continue. And the step is a step along the way. As we do what? Learn to love? Learn to love. Love to learn. Love to learn. That's what never ends. That's what and never ends. Just, you're always welcome here, and uh, I look forward to it. What do you think, Val? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy we're all coming together in our community here. And thank you, Michelle Bravo, for being my guest on Women's Magazine today. And um, we all are coming together here as we look at look in the face of uh, politics and, and what democracy can mean for all of us in this country and specifically here in this city. And um, I'm, I'm really... It, I'm really excited today um, because we've been kind of working up to this, getting ready for this. Um, we have a, we have three candidates here today. Um, well, we have Michelle, who's a candidate for mayor, um, but we have three candidates here today who are running um, for the U.S. House of Representatives to represent District 12 here in San Francisco. It's Nancy Pelosi's district that she's been, um, you know, the representative of for a, a rather long time. Um, and so, I'd like to introduce our guests today. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a forum um, and a conversation with um, with 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 these candidates who have uh, thrown their hat in the ring as well and um, have definitely a lot to, sh to share and contribute about what they see as the most important issues uh, facing not only San Francisco but the country. So I think we're going to get a chance to see what we do here, how we roll, because people get a lot of different ideas and once you see it yourself, you, you won't have that good idea how we roll. And so here we are. So is John going to do another song? Oh, uh, no, we're going to go straight into the forum. We're, okay. we're running, running through, but maybe John will come back later. Yeah, well, yeah he's got to Okay, John, yeah. So I want to introduce, and, and if, gentlemen, if you want to pick up your um, microphones for a moment there. Let's see, see how we're doing on... Thank you for joining us in this rather relaxed forum here at Mutiny Radio. Um, so we've got... Uh, Three candidates here, Shahid Buttar. Great to be with you. We've got Barry Hermanson from the Green Party. Yep, Mike's working. Yep, yep Mike's working. And uh, Ryan Kojaste. Hello, everybody. Hello. All right, I am going to turn your mics up just a little bit, just to make sure we've got uh, some good quality sound on you here. Well, why don't we start with, um, so Shahid, uh, you're, you're the first person in line here and the person with the best microphone so far. Um, I, would love, I would love it if you could um, introduce yourself a little bit, um, a little bit about your background and uh, why you're running for uh, Congress right now. Sure. Thanks, Val. Uh, my name's Shahid Buttar. I'm a constitutional lawyer. I came out of Stanford Law School 15 years ago. Uh, I taught constitutional law there as a teaching assistant. I uh, work most recently at the Electronic Frontier Foundation as the organization's director of grassroots advocacy. Uh, I've got 15 years of experience building the progressive movement uh, across the country here in San Francisco, in Washington, D.C., um, and at the local and state level, and lots of different points in between. I'm running for Congress particularly because we are living in a historical moment when we need Congress to show up for work. And under the leadership of a bipartisan corporate establishment, We've seen Congress march lockstep uh, in, in the aggrandizement of an executive branch that threatens the rights and liberties of all Americans, as well as the future. And this is no time for uh, people who put their careers before their public service, as I fear that uh, Nancy Pelosi has grown 
comfortable doing. And I'm very eager to see our city represented meaningfully in Washington. San Francisco is a unique city. Uh, it's, a, it's a tech capital. It's an LGBT mecca. It's a peace and justice um, uh, center. And you know, if you remix these different communities, and, it, and we're a city of iconoclasts, of people who came here from elsewhere, largely, and I am an immigrant to this country. Uh, I've been an advocate for LGBT marriage equality since 2004, 10 years before the Democratic establishment. Uh, I've been arrested in lots of different cities trying to stop wars that Nancy Pelosi has voted to fund. Um, and watching the co-optation of San Francisco's voice in Washington has been uh, more than I've been willing to accept from the sidelines. That's why I'm running. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here and for letting us know a little bit about where you're coming from. Um, and I'd like to go down the line we'll just so we can continue with our introductions. Barry Hermanson, who's running on the Green Party ticket. Barry, thank you so much for, for coming back to Mutiny Radio. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. That's uh, a great show that you guys have. So um, I've, I've been a candidate before, and uh, uh, my major issues that I've been working on, I've been working on universal health care for 20 years. Um, I'm wearing a T-shirt today that has an image of, of an older image of the card that I'm using as a campaign card, U.S. Budget Priorities. And I first developed this um, in 2007 and 2008 uh, to show just the dramatic uh, a percentage of our national discretionary budget that is devoted to military year in and year out. I developed this um, in a campaign originally against uh, uh, Tom Lantos um, uh, leading up to the uh, 2008 primary. Uh, he died in office and Jackie Speer uh, became the front runner. And I'm, I'm very proud to say that um, uh, she, she did win that, that special election primary. Um, uh, and then I caught her on a vote uh, in the summer of 2008 to support uh, uh, just an enormous bloated military budget. And I printed it on the back of my campaign card. Um, uh, and so just telling voters uh, throughout uh, the district uh, what she had done. And I'm very proud to say that she's been a very reliable vote ever since then against uh, uh, military spending. Um, I'm trying to do the same thing uh, with uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, last year, she voted uh, uh, along with, it, the vote was 344 to 81 in the House, and in the Senate, it was 89 to 8, to give President Trump tens of billions of dollars more for the military than he had even requested. And so this information is on the back of my current campaign card. Um, uh, people throughout the district are getting this info. They really don't get information uh, about this sort of thing. Uh, the, the Chronicle, when they first reported it on Saturday, July 15th, uh, the 344 to 81 vote in the House, they reported that at the time it was $30 billion more than Trump had asked. Um, um, and they reported the numbers, 344 to 81, but they did not report that Nancy Pelosi had voted yes. And it, in my mind, they are uh, in collusion. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, they printed it on page 7A on a Saturday morning below the fold, pretty much guarantee that people would not see it. And this is kind of information from our major media that is hid from us, that there is no debate, no discussion, and I believe that instead we need to have funding for education. Let's educate our children. Uh, let, let us feed people. Let us house people who are homeless. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Barry. Barry Hermanson running on the green ticket, green party ticket. And then we have Ryan Kojaste. Ryan. Welcome back, Ryan. Yeah. Welcome back to all three of you. Thank you for having me back. Uh, My name is Ryan Kojaste. I, San Francisco Bay Area native, born and raised here, did all my schooling here. I'm currently finishing up law school at UC Hastings. I'm San Francisco's youngest immigrant rights commissioner, appointed by the Board of Supervisors a month after Donald Trump was elected president. And to be honest, I never envisioned myself running for Congress at 24 years old, let alone against the leader of the Democratic Party. I'd like to begin by saying that I respect Nancy Pelosi very much for her decades of service, but at the end of the day, we do need to pass on the torch. 
A lot of us are frustrated with the direction the Democratic Party uh, is taking, and unfortunately, the unwillingness to fight for the progressive policies that the people of San Francisco um, believe in. So we, our campaign here, and you can see a lot of young people on our campaign here as well, we're not here running for myself. We're running on an idea that we need to have Congress reflect the demographics of America. We need more young people, we need more working families, more immigrant families, more everyday people who actually understand issues up there with a seat at the table to help determine how we resolve the mess that we're in. Especially this next generation, we're inheriting the greatest mess of all time. We're worse off than our parents' generation. So I think it's really important that we allow marginalized communities to believe that they too can run for office. That's why we're so proud to have a How to Run for Office video series literally teaching people how they too can run for office. We've had to make mistakes along the way. We weren't able to hire consultants. We did this all on our own. Hard work, passion, grit, sacrifice. And we're here today, four days before an election that could very well make us the youngest campaign in history to ever challenge a sitting member of Congress. I think this is an important moment to speak truth to power, to say, look, we're respectful, we're not attacking our incumbent, but at the end of the day, the only way to progress our country is through change. So let's have a meaningful debate on the issues and talk about what is the best direction to take, not only for the Democratic Party, but for the United States of America. And that's why we're in this race. We're excited. We're energized. We're ready to go. And I'm excited personally to vote for myself. I think it'd be an emotional moment given the fact that my parents fled a revolution to come to this country and now their kid is on the ballot. That is the epitome of the American dream. So I'm happy to be here and I look forward to engaging in a dialogue with the other challengers. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan Kajaste. And Diamond Dave, you have a question. I do. Now, each and every one of you, all three of you, uh, we've had conversations earlier on. There's been a lot of water under the bridge since you were last in here. Is that right? But you weren't here. Is that right? I'll just go. Yeah, and what I'd like to ask you, that was really early in the campaign. Yeah. You were just getting started. Now I hear you now, some months down the line. You're really proud of yourselves, really able to, to find yourself in a way, proud of yourself and find yourself, and here you are, here you are, and I want to ask you, what, uh, what, what, was, what, what has the campaign been like? What have you learned, been learned in this campaign? You've been going to, uh, you've been going to various functions, I assume. You've been getting out there in the city, I assume. You've been at various forums where the three of you sit together, maybe. I don't know about whether you've seen Nancy Pelosi or had a chance to talk to her, but here we are just a few days before Election Day. What are the lessons? What do you think? What are you going to tell yourself? What do you tell yourself about all the time you put in wanting to be elected? And by the way, to the people who don't know listening out there, this is not going to be ranked choice, is that right? This is, uh, this is where you vote for a single candidate, and eventually two candidates will be out, and they might both be Democrats. It's not going to be a Democrat or Republican any longer. Those days are over. The top two that can then come out of the primary and will run again. Am I right so far? You got it. Okay, so you still have a ways to go. What are you, hopefully, what are you three, maybe, have a ways to go? So tell us what it's been like. One correction. I've uh, you just mentioned Republicans and Democrats. I believe there'll be a Democrat versus a Green on the ballot in November. All right. Well, Barry, how is it? How is this? You, you've run for office before. Um, you said you mentioned earlier. Um, so, what is to Diamond Dave's question? What has this campaign been like for you? Well, thanks for the question. Um, I have an article that I've just written. It just has been published online uh, for the San Francisco Bayview newspaper. And the title of it um, is um, It's Difficult or It's Hard to Be a Green Party Candidate in a Democratic Party Town. Uh, you mentioned forums. I don't get invited. Um, uh, the Democratic clubs, the 38 Democratic clubs in San Francisco, um, uh, ever since Matt Gonzalez narrowly lost uh, to uh, Green Party candidate Matt Gonzalez narrowly lost to Gavin Newsom back in 2003, all of the Democratic Party clubs in town have been barred uh, from endorsing anyone but a Democrat. Um, uh, and I understand it was the Harvey Milk Club that actually had switched their endorsement from Tom Amiano 
uh, to Matt Gonzalez since Matt actually uh, got into the runoff against uh, uh, Newsom. And so there's a deliberate attempt because uh, they cannot consider me for an endorsement without losing their their charter. Um, uh, It also means that the clubs don't invite me. And and I so in my article, I say, you know, there are positives and negatives to this. Um, uh, the, obviously, the negative is not being able to speak to people who are voters, uh, even for their consideration. Uh, but the real positive thing is that it has given me much more time uh, to be out on the streets talking to people. I'm not filling out questionnaire, endless questionnaires uh, for all these groups. And this goes to any organization that is tied to the Democratic Party as well, uh, where I don't get consideration. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, I, 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 I'll, I can only speak uh, particularly about my history with labor, and I do so in my article. Um, uh, SEIU, uh, back in 2006, they had invited me when I was a candidate for state assembly, and both of the Democratic Party candidates I, I admitted during the interview uh, I, with the uh, rank and file, they had not done as much for working people as I had. And I've never been invited, been invited back. I, I was told in advance of the meeting not to expect an endorsement. Uh, CNA, the California Nurses Association, I've been working with them for a long time on their number one policy objective, single payer. They won't mention me to their members, uh, yet I support their number one objective. Nancy Pelosi does not. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I've had the most fun, basically, in this campaign. It's been energizing. I, I get up every day and go out, and I'm hitting five, six, seven hundred doors. I'm, I'm having fun. I'm meeting people. This is the best campaign of all the ones that I have I've done. So... Thanks. Well, that is really interesting. You kind of get to have free range because uh, it's almost like with the systems that set up, you, you have nothing to lose. You know, you can get out there and and uh, talk about the important issues and not have to worry about the backlash of. What's really concerning to me is the major question, and I have it on my campaign card. Why does the leadership of the Democratic Party prioritize military spending over everything else? And that is not the question that I'm allowed to ask in the labor community. It's not the question I'm allowed to any Democratic Party uh, a club. Uh, it's, it's, it, it is protecting the leadership of the Democratic Party, as far as I'm concerned, so that there can be no debate. Okay, thank you. I want seven. We know that, but also we know that some people who are, who are, who are in role, I've got a friend, Barry, Barry, who ran for president from Vermont? From Vermont? Running for president? Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Bernie, how about Bernie? Here's Bernie. Bernie said I'm not a Democratic, but I'm a Democratic Socialist. And in fact, he never, he never gave that up. We always spoke of a Democratic Socialist. And he was kind of a Green. He went to Vermont as part of the Back to the Land Green movement. He was running, but I don't think he's ever said, I'm a Democrat in the usual sense. And I think the ways you can get over, ways you can get over, up to Sinclair, socialists back then were running for, for governor of California on the epic to end poverty in California ticket uh, was a socialist who ran as a Democrat. There are probably ways you can figure it out, but I understand what you say, Barry, and I'm so glad that you're here. Let's hear from the next one. What's it been like? Yeah, Shahid, what has it been like Shahid. for you? Sorry to <laughs> I just caught, caught you off guard a little bit. I apologize for that. Golf cart is good. Looks like we're just keeping, yeah, we're just keeping the door closed to make sure we can get everybody's voices heard. So, Shahid, this this campaign for you, I know that um, so much advocacy work in your background, but not um, not particularly a fan of electoral politics. What's it been like for you as a candidate for Congress? It's a remarkably privileged opportunity to help mold a public conversation. You know, among the things I've learned are all the different ways that people can participate to help build a voice that is bigger than any one of us. And I've been really humbled by the contributions of all of our different volunteers and all of our different supporters. You know, we have uh, hundreds of supporters. We have 
hundreds of volunteers. It's a remarkably inspiring thing to witness a community of people come together across so many different communities, right? I mean, to see uh, people concerned about immigrant rights, to see people concerned about the military co-optation of our federal spending priorities, to see people concerned about health care, to concerned about housing, uh, concerned about the co-optation of the internet as a tool for global surveillance or the human rights abuses in which Nancy Pelosi has unfortunately proven complicit. Uh, people concerned about all these different issues are coming together around our campaign, and it is a um, it, it's, it's a very humbling feeling. You know, when I started out, I felt very much like a David confronting a Goliath without a sling. And, uh, you know, our supporters are the sling. It's, it, I feel very much like a, um, the possibilities that have emerged are, are greater than what I could possibly have imagined at the outset. And so that's one thing I've learned. I've also at the same time learned that our civic uh, culture has eroded far worse than I even fear. Um, for instance, I've sat in rooms where I've watched a uh, community of, of color, um, a high-income community of color uh, at a mayoral forum, greet with tepid applause one of the mayoral candidates who has long championed its interests while then greeting with roaring applause a candidate who very warmly talked about how uh, they would basically fleece this community and oppose its interests at every turn and to watch people cheer as they were basically being fed their own flesh was really disturbing to me and you know it, it exposed for me you know on the one hand uh, for me, as a long-established issue advocate entering the electoral arena, a lot of people told me uh, that people don't have the attention span or the preparation to even understand what I might have to offer and, and teach and share. And I think on the one hand, while I've observed that to be the case in the broader political culture, which you know maybe is more concerned about sports scores than the policies that will enable people to live and thrive and survive in our city. Uh, at the same time, I've seen a lot of people with very well-established concerns who've come out of the woodwork and, and blown wind in our sails. And I'm, I'm very excited to have their support and to represent their interests, both in this race and hopefully in Washington. Well, that's that is that is exciting to to have have these kind of winds come through, uh, kind of the winds of change. You mentioned real quickly there the 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 people paying attention to sports. Uh, there's a new movement of of people, mostly men across the country, men of color, and and it doesn't matter what color you are, but men who are um, black trying to black out the NFL um, by not going to the games, not buying tickets, not buying paraphernalia, um, and uh, basically just boycotting the NFL and, and, and instead just to jump on that, I mean, think it's because the NFL is boycotting athletes who have the temerity to go so far as to not even raise their voices, but merely to kneel in silent, respectful, peaceful protest. That's so offensive for the NSL NFL that athletes are getting blacklisted. This is basically a countervailing, you know, effort by consumers to flex our purchasing power to hold the NFL accountable to our own constitutional values. And I think it's particularly galling that Nancy Pelosi can't come out and very clearly support a star athlete in her town who's being silenced by an industry. I think it's a very telling reflection of where her own allegiances are. And also that that movement is um, what I, what's particularly kind of moving about it is that in, these people are dedicating themselves to not watch football on Sunday, but instead to actually go out and and do community work and bring young people in and, and like offer their energy to their community as opposed to a lifetime of Sundays on the couch. So um, I see that the 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 changes that are happening on, you know, different levels that we're not necessarily expecting. Um, I can see how maybe that's ex uh, coming into play in this, in this election. So Ryan, maybe we can have your response to Diamond Dave's question um, of, I know you talked a little bit about how this has been really energizing for you, um, but t talk a little bit more about um, what, what the whole process has been and the kind of, maybe kind of the reactions that you've been getting um, being the youngest person to run for Congress. Of course, it's, <clears throat> it's been a learning experience. We went into this really <clears throat> not knowing exactly what the process entailed to run for office. So we've learned so much in the process and we have been very humbled by individuals who've really resonated with our message. But at the end of the day, politics is politics and there'll always be gatekeepers. So the important message that I have for anybody that wants to run is keep your head up. 
people will try to tear you down. They'll try and thwart your campaign, start rumors, say that you're not qualified or you don't deserve to run. But at the end of the day, it's the people of San Francisco that get to decide, not some powers that be who try and dictate who, whose turn it is to run. So that's why we have been so excited that the press have decided to write about us. The Examiner, Weekly, Chronicle, things that we never thought would be possible because at the end of the day, these are established newspapers. And I think that shows how strong our message is that at the end of the day, I'm representing an idea. I'm not running for Ryan Kojaste. I'm running so that all of us see something being done. And that instead of us complaining, we have an opportunity to take power back into our own hands. And it's a hard process. I was very nervous at the beginning, but I think now I've really found my voice. And I know that people are watching this because they want to believe in hope again. They want to believe that if this can be done, if we can set this precedent, break this glass ceiling, it would reverberate throughout the country. And hopefully more young people will say, look, if I'm upset, if I'm frustrated, the best way that I can do something about this and represent my community is throwing my hat in the ring. And it's not about winning or losing at this point, because as Shah had mentioned before, it was about molding a dialogue. We can have people start talking about these issues, because at the end of the day, the important thing is what the future of the Democratic Party is going to look like. And it doesn't look like people who've been around.